Hello, and welcome to another episode in the month-long special edition Best Ever or Guilty Pleasure. I'm your host, Jarrett, and I love movies. This month, with it being Halloween, we will be talking about scary movies. Today, we will be talking about a classic slasher movie, Scream. The movie came out in 1996. It was directed by Wes Craven, a prolific horror movie director. He's directed movies like The Hills Have Eyes and Nightmare on Elm Street. He would go on to direct Screams 2 through 4. He passed away in 2015. There is a fifth movie that came out this year, and another one is planned for the future. This movie stars Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Matthew Lillard, and Jamie Kennedy, among others. I remember this cast just being fantastic. Uh, Drew Barrymore has a small part at the beginning, and her scene really sets up the whole rest of the movie. This movie is just dripping with nostalgia, uh, as this movie introduced me to the slasher genre. I don't watch too many of them, but the Scream movies were my favorite. From the ghost, ghost face mask, to the phone call voice, to the twist at the end, I'm really excited to watch this one again. Uh, speaking of the ghost face mask, it's iconic. Uh, it was instantly a hit, and I remember even buying the costume for Halloween the year it came out. Uh, this was an easy costume, as all you needed was the mask and a black robe. The mask was parodied over and over in a lot of different movies. Uh, I mentioned the scary movie, uh, the movie, scary movie, in the ring uh, episode, and this movie is a big part of that one. Uh, they have a version of the ghost face mask where he's smiling, uh, that's on the poster, but the mouth is wider in the movie. I guess they couldn't get the actual uh, ghost face mask, but they got one very similar. I remember the movie being pretty gory, which makes sense for a slasher movie. Lots of people died in mostly in painful ways. I remember a particular scene with a garage door <laughs> that was uh, pretty gory uh, near the end. Uh, the beginning scene is also pretty gory with Drew Barrymore's character's boyfriend's stomach being cut open and his intestines spilling out. Super gruesome. Hardly the first slasher film. It uh, certainly is a modern classic. Uh, it's sitting at a respectable 79% on Rotten Tomatoes for both critics and audience scores. Having Wes Craven behind the helm helps as his older movies are great examples of the slasher genre. There were some early examples of slasher like Psycho, uh, but the genre really gained traction in the 70s and 80s with movies like The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, and Friday the 13th. All of these movies, like Scream, spawned multiple sequels, remakes, and spin-offs. Uh, some of those didn't fare too well. Uh, Halloween has been rebooted twice, uh, and Friday the 13th once. It completely jumped the shark with one of its movies, uh, Jason X, where Jason, the main villain, is cryogenically frozen and wakes up 500 years in the future on a second Earth. Just wild. Scream would go on to spawn four more sequels, the last of which came out at the beginning of this year, in 2022. Uh, there is also a TV series that ran for three seasons. Scream 2 would be almost as popular as Scream 1 when it came out. Uh, I personally like Scream 3, uh, even though that one got mixed reviews. Uh, I actually bought the soundtrack for the Scream 3 CD on um, for the Scream 3 on CD because it had a lot of my favorite songs at the time. Side note, uh, it featured a lot of rock songs, most of which uh, I watched the videos for on the streaming channel MTVX, which was a commercial-free premium channel that played hard rock music videos, and that's all it did. 
Uh, I would watch that for hours after I got home from school and based most of my CD purchasing on the videos that I saw from that channel. I feel like music videos aren't as important nowadays, but they were awesome back in the day. I could have decided to watch the other movies in the series, but I had to go back with the original. This is, the success of this one definitely affected the other ones in the franchise. Uh, the second movie added Omar Epps, Heather Graham, and Liev Schreiber. The third movie added Patrick Dempsey. I remember them being pretty good, uh, but you really just can't touch the original. I just recently watched the newest movie, and there are a ton of callbacks to the original. Uh, I may mention that uh, more about that movie later on um, because of how much it actually calls back to this original movie. So next up, I will watch the movie, I will take notes on what I see, and I will report back in a bit. I will be talking in detail about the movie, so spoilers ahead. The question I will be trying to answer is, uh, was this movie the best ever, or is it just a guilty pleasure? We're back, and I have a lot to talk about. I will be talking about the other movies in the series, so here is an extra spoiler warning for Scream 2, 3, and Scream, the new one. Uh, I won't be talking about the show, so you're safe there. First things first, uh, this movie really holds up. Yes, it's a little dated, but the actual movie is still really good. Uh, there are a few things that I can point to that are negatives, but overall, I still really like it. I wouldn't say that it's scary, which seems to be a trend in these movies uh, that I'm watching for this month, um, but it does have some classic moments. Let's talk about the horror tropes. Uh, this movie really lays into that slash the slasher movie tropes, uh, even going pretty meta at multiple points with Randy's character talking directly about existing horror movies and their cliches. This movie starts out with your typical teenager alone and she gets a call. Uh, it's the ghost face killer who wants to play a game. In an effort to entice her, he has tied her boyfriend to a chair. She plays along, loses, and her and her boyfriend get carved up in gruesome ways. This sets up the killer and the rest of the movie. Uh, we learn that the killer is targeting a certain person named Sidney Prescott, played by Nev Campbell. It is presumed because of her mother, who was raped and killed almost a year prior. Uh, the killer tells Sidney that her mother was more at fault than she believes. This sets up multiple attempts at killing Sidney, and then a rampage that kills... Tons of people close to her. In the end, we find out that the killer was her boyfriend, Billy, who was the one doing the killings along with his best friend, Stu. Billy's dad uh, slept with Sydney's mother, which caused his mother to leave, which caused Billy to go a little bit crazy. As for Stu, that is one of the things that I was a bit confused about. So why Stu? Why did he help Billy with all of this? Uh, the only thing that I can think of is that Casey, Drew Barrymore's character who gets killed in the intro, used to date Stu, and then she dumped him for Steve. Uh, Stu and Billy slaughter those two, and I guess Stu agrees to help Billy with everything else. Uh, I guess Stu is also a little bit psychotic, and Matthew Lillard plays that extremely well. It sort of makes sense, but I feel like it's a little loose. Still, uh, they make a perfect duo, subverting the traditional one-killer who can do everything trope. They have plausible deniability when the other one does the killing. 
this movie also does a great job with drawing the eye to the negative space. I mentioned that in the other one, um, in The Ring, uh, but this is where it really works. Uh, there are multiple moments when the main character is on one side of the screen, but your eye is drawn to the other side of the screen, anticipating Ghostface to jump out and run through the background, uh, which does happen from time to time, uh, and it adds a lot of suspense. Uh, Wes Craven is clearly a master at this genre. As for Randy, uh, he is a walking horror movie encyclopedia. He's the typical nerd character, antisocial, works at a movie store, uh, knows a lot about the exact situation that they are in. Uh, he is presumed to be the killer because of this. He is clued in early on that Billy may be the killer, and he was obviously sort of right because he didn't figure Stu as being an accomplice. He also has that infamous scene where he goes over the rules of surviving a horror movie. Number one, never have sex. Number two, never drink or do drugs. Number three, never say, I'll be right back. The last one is comically mimicked by Stu pretty soon after. Uh, he does, Stu ends up getting killed, so I guess Randy was right. Randy also makes a joke about him not dying because he was never so happy to be a virgin, uh, talking back about his uh, first rule. Uh, Randy also says that this is the moment when he, the supposedly dead killer comes back to life for one last scare, and then immediately uh, Billy does just that. Sydney then shoots Billy in the head, and he's finally dead. Uh, Randy, the walking horror trope encyclopedia, finally meets his demise in the second movie after giving more rules about the slasher movie sequels. Uh, the body count is always higher, the death scenes are always more elaborate, and never assume the killer is dead. Poor Randy. This first movie sets the formula that is mostly followed in all subsequent movies. They obviously are all tied together, building on that last one. Uh, Ghostface returns in Scream 2 as two people again, as Billy, Billy's mother, obviously upset that Sydney killed her son, and an already existing serial killer, Mickey, who was Sydney's new boyfriend's friend. Uh, the apple doesn't fall from far from the tree, as Billy's mother is obsessed with serial killers, so she meets up with Mickey in a chat room, uh, and the team try uh, team up... Um, and they team up to kill Sydney and everyone else involved with the death of her son. Scream 3 technically has only one killer, Roman, uh, who is the half-brother of Sydney, who is given up for adoption by Sydney's mother. His motive surrounds Sydney and her rise to fame due to surviving the murders. It's revealed in this movie um, that he mentored Billy in committing the murders from the first movie, meaning that he technically is indirectly responsible for the first massacre. It's revealed in the most recent movie um, that he had an accomplice, uh, following along with all the other Scream Ghostface killers being two people, but we don't know exactly who it is. Uh, there is a lot of retrofitting uh, in this movie, um, a lot of going back and, and, and kind of talking about things that happened before. Uh, the fourth movie, which came out 15 years after the first one and 11 years after the third movie, also had two killers, uh, one of which is yet again a family member of Sydney. Uh, there seems to be a lot going on in her family. Uh, the main killer is Jill Roberts, the cousin of Sydney, who is a senior at, in high school. She is also is upset at Sydney for getting all the attention after the massacre and subsequent killings. She sets up a second Woodsboro massacre and is eventually killed by Sydney. By the way, uh, Sydney has killed uh, five people, all of which were Ghostface killers. 
Uh, the requel, as it's called in the new movie, both changes the formula while also paying homage to it. It's the first movie to have both killers not directly or even indirectly related to Sydney in any way. Uh, there have been uh, killers in the past latched on to the original massacre uh, and what it spawned, namely the movie within a movie stab. Uh, Mickey from Scream 2 was a film buff and Charlie in Scream 4 was also a fan of the movies. Uh, this me- the the most recent movie featured two fans of the movies, uh, the stab movies, the movie within a movie, uh, both upset that the last one um, with the last one that came out. Uh, this caused them to try to do something that would give material for a proper reboot by recreating the original massacre, massacre with uh, new and so-called legacy characters. Uh, there are a lot of callbacks to the original movie uh, in this new movie. Uh, first, the main protagonist, Sam is apparently the illegitimate child of Billy Loomis. Uh, She actually sees Billy several times throughout the movie. Um, It's kind of weird because she clearly... He was clearly the bad guy in the first movie, but now he is getting sort of a redemption arc by supporting his daughter in killing the copycat killers. Uh, The end of the movie takes place at Amber's house, which was Stu's house in the original movie. Uh, Mindy, who is Randy's niece, almost dies in the same way that Randy almost died in the original, uh, complete with her watching the Stab remake of her uncle's attack. It's super meta. Um, There is apparently another movie in the works. Uh, I believe it will be the first movie not to include Sydney as Nev Campbell, um, because she's confirmed that this last movie was the last one that she would do. I I really wonder how they're going to reinvent the series, because that's what they're going to have to do. Uh, So, back to the original movie. Um, It was based on a real killer, the Gainesville Ripper, who killed eight people in 1989 and 1990. The five murders in Gainesville were what he uh, was caught for, and he was sentenced to death in 1994, being executed by lethal injection in 2006. His spree and his killings uh, by stabbing with a knife is what inspired Kevin Williamson to write the original Scream movie. There were a few things that I noticed this time around uh, watching this movie. Uh, The biggest thing is that I forgot that uh, Cotton Weary, played by Liev Schreiber, was actually in this movie. I think I mentioned in the intro that he he was introduced in the second movie, but he's actually in this one. Uh, He is shown on TV in an orange jumpsuit jumpsuit, and mentioned several times. Uh, His name is eventually cleared as a result of this movie, um, and he appears in Scream 2 and is unfortunately killed in Scream 3. Uh, I had assumed that they just added him into Scream 2, but I guess they had planned ahead and had him in the original. Um, I also noticed that Billy is super motivated by sex. He's always talking about it, so much so that Randy says that this is his motive if he was the killer. Uh, It's way more cringy this time around. Uh, He also quotes a lot of scary movie quotes, which is right in like line with the future killers being scary movie aficionados. Uh, it really begs the question, did those politicians who attacked the movies for perpetuating violent behavior? Um, and uh, a lot of the killers in this movie seem to be motivated by it. Uh, Billy talks about this when he says that it doesn't cause people to kill, it just makes the killers more creative. Besides the question that I posed earlier about Stu uh, and why he was involved, uh, I had a few questions while watching the movie. Uh, Billy and Stu wanted to kill people that were associated with Sydney because 
that was Billy's motive. Um, if that was the case, why did they kill the principal? It seemed off. I know the principal was played by Henry Winkler, so it was a famous person who died, uh, but I'm not sure what the motive would be there. Uh, I'm also not sure why Stu decides to have a party if he plans to kill people at it. Uh, I guess it may confuse the police and give them more suspects to throw them off the scent, uh, but it seems like they planned, uh, always planned to frame Sidney's dad. Uh, it seemed pretty ill-advised, uh, considering there was also a curfew in place. Um, they clearly violated that curfew because at the end of the movie, the sun was coming up. This is the oldest movie that I've done to date, and it is pretty clear that this is definitely older. <laughs> there is the landline used in multiple times when the killer is calling his victims. Um, the killer is calling from a cell phone, which was cloned from Sydney's dad's cell phone. Uh, it's one of those brick phones. Um, Sydney is doing homework on a computer, which is an old one with a green and black screen. Gail uses a hilariously large hidden camera in the party that could hardly be called hidden. Um, it's bigger than a current cell phone and has a noticeable lens attached to the front. Um, it's also a part of the story where there is a whole 30 second delay on the feed. That's just crazy to think about. And it's hilarious that they had to add that in. Also at the end, Stu is killed by Sydney by smashing a large TV in, on top of him. Uh, there's a flash of electricity, and then he becomes motionless. Uh, those TVs back then were huge and heavy. Most were made with real glass, so we probably got cut up too. Uh, if a newer flat screen TV fell on top of him, he probably would have survived. There is no way that he survived that CRT falling on top of him. Overall, I am glad that I watched this movie again. It was almost as good as I remember it, uh, with that not being as scary as I remember, but it was just as bloody. Um, it's always a great representation of a slasher movie. I would highly recommend watching it again uh, for a nice dose of nostalgia. Next week, we will be back with another scary movie for the month-long special edition of the Best Ever or Guilty Pleasure podcast. Uh, please rate and review this podcast on whatever podcast app you use. Uh, it helps for people to, to see it. Until next time, watch more movies. Watch more movies.